Welcome to RNZ's Insight Programme. I'm Philippa Tolley, and this week, the Rio Olympics. In the biggest change to the Olympic programme in a number of years, two new sports will debut at the Rio Games in August. Golf returns to the programme for the first time in more than a century, while Rugby Sevens makes its first appearance. When the International Olympic Committee voted them in in 2009, there would have been widespread support and excitement in rugby circles especially. But just over a month out from the Games, it's not all roses, with New Zealand no longer dominant in sevens, and men's golf players in particular showing apathy towards the Olympics, which could hurt its future. The RNZ sports team takes a look at golf and sevens at the Games and what it means for New Zealand. The modern Olympics have come a long way since 1896 when there were just nine sports. The International Olympic Committee decided in 2006 that there would be 25 core sports and three floating sports. Then in 2014, as part of a major reform, the IOC decided every sport would be reviewed after each Games. Golf and Sevens get their chance this year and again in Tokyo in four years' time. But beyond that, nothing is guaranteed. Sports can be included or dropped by a simple majority vote. The New Zealand Olympic Committee Secretary-General Karen Smith believes the inclusion of the two new sports is particularly relevant to New Zealand. Golf and rugby sevens are actually really popular sports in New Zealand. They're not only in terms of our elite performance over time, but also in terms of our lifestyle. And ordinary New Zealanders being able to connect with that opportunity and understanding the sports and what's happening. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. I'm Barry Guy, and in this insight, along with my colleague Matt Chatterton, I'll explore what impact an Olympic run will have on the two new sports. In 2009, the IOC voted in favour of including sevens in the Olympics. The successful bid prompted the president of the International Rugby Board, as it was at the time, Bernard Lapasse, to say, this is an historic moment for our sport and the global rugby community, who are united in their support. Rugby's World Cup had been promoted by some as the third biggest sporting event in the world. Those pushing rugby on the world stage believe that to have the sport in the Olympics would result in more countries investing money in the game, and so the game would grow globally, not just in sevens, but also in fifteens. The New Zealand Rugby Chief Executive Steve Chu says the world body spent many years lobbying for Olympic inclusion, as they knew there would be benefits. The Olympics is the world's greatest sporting stage. I don't think anybody disputes that. And to have our sport showcased on that stage is an enormous opportunity, particularly if you're a sport that's trying to break into, into new markets. And if you think of the growth in rugby since we've become an Olympic sport in North America, in South America, Asia, and in Africa for that matter, and Eastern Europe, uh, it's been enormous. And so we've already seen the benefit of it. The IOC vote the same year for golf wasn't as clear-cut 63-27. The International Golf Federation said that among the 60 players who would compete in the men's and women's tournaments would be the world's top stars. The Federation's current chief executive is Anthony Scanlon. For all of them, it, it's something special. You know, We'll try as best we can to have the best players there, and they will be there. But that doesn't appear to be the case. Five of the top 15 men have already pulled out of the Games, which has already sparked questions around golf's longevity in the Olympic programme. If golf's future in the Olympics is short-lived, it could have serious implications on New Zealand's medal chances, as Matt Chatterton reports. 
It's been a long time since golf last featured at the Olympic Games, 112 years to be exact. Against all odds, a 46-year-old former Canadian cricketer turned golfer named George Lyon beat the tournament favourite American Henry Chandler Egan to win golf's last gold medal. Fast forward over 105 years and golf's powerhouses, the Royal and Ancient of St Andrews, the International Golf Federation and the US Golf Association successfully lobbied for the sport to be re-included in the Olympic program. In spectacular Rio de Janeiro, golf makes its triumphant return to the Olympic Games. The world's best golfers will play on sport's biggest stage. The three organisations are intent on making golf a global game through the Olympic regime, and now 60 of the world's best male and female golfers will tear it up in Rio. But there's a problem. Some of the world's best men don't want to go. The question is why? There are a multitude of answers to this question. One reason is because the best players in the world tag isn't entirely true. Athletes are selected for the Olympics based on the world ranking system. Two male and two female athletes from each country can qualify. A country can have up to four golfers of the same sex competing if they're inside the top 15 in the world. However, a country like America has six male golfers in the top 15, but only four can go. Whereas for a country like New Zealand, world number 45 Danny Lee is guaranteed a spot, and so too is our next best male golfer who's ranked over 180th. That means the field's quality is diminished in order for more countries to compete. A former New Zealand professional turned PGA Tour commentator Phil Tatarangi says while he's excited by golf's reintroduction, organisers have got a number of things wrong, including the ranking system. A lot of the talk around the tour has been this, that they want to support that golf being back in the Olympics and golf being a global sport. Doing it under the banner of the best players in the world, I'm not so sure. Mm. And we've got this, this situation with football where mm. they're... Um, I guess promoting the sport, and I guess uh, Rugby Sevens is the same way, but they're not the best athletes mm. in the sport. Mm. And um, I guess it's going to be a bit of trial and error and just see whether um, the format for selecting the field is the most accurate, the most inviting, the best way to market the sport in the Olympics. Tatsurangi also believes the lack of a teams event contradicts the international spirit the Olympics are renowned for. In the 1904 Olympic Games, an individual and team medal was awarded. However, only individual medals will be awarded in Rio. Tauterangi was part of the New Zealand men's team that won the 1992 Eisenhower Trophy, the biggest amateur teams event in the world. It was one of New Zealand's greatest golfing triumphs, and Tauterangi says adding that extra team element to the Games could have given athletes more of a sense of national pride. There was a good opportunity to, to add to the the kudos, the the honour of representing your country, mm. given that it's an individual sport, the other 51 weeks of the year. And for the most part, although players um, like the players that are representing New Zealand, um, they do so with pride uh, each and every week, this would be slightly different. You're mm. putting on the uniform, you're putting on the silver fern, and what it would have been like to have had a team format, whether that be a mixed men's and women's, whether mm. it be... Um, the two-man team, um, that was the one thing I think that was a real miss this time around. However, New Zealand Golf Chief Executive Dean Murphy says when a new sport is added to the Olympics, it's difficult to get it right the first time, and the way it is included will often draw criticism from a number of angles. 
but he believes golf deserves a place at Rio. You can't just all of a sudden throw an event in and expect everyone to fall at its feet. Um, it is the Olympics Games, which is the biggest celebration of world sport, but that being said, it's brand new. So um, I think after Rio, we'll get a fair gauge of what it was like, um, what, the, what the event was like, what the players thought of it. Was it the dream they always hoped for? This year's Games in Rio and Tokyo in 2020 will be used as a trial to determine whether golf will stay in the Olympics. So golf administrators are relying on a successful campaign next month. But with seven major champions and two of Australia and South Africa's brightest medal hopefuls already pulling out, it hasn't got off to a good start. In the past two weeks, five players have pulled out alone. Among the latest casualties is world number one Australian Jason Day. International Olympic Committee member Barry Meister says the lack of quality in the field concerns him. Meister, the former NZOC Secretary-General, is responsible for selecting and reviewing the Olympic sports and says any discipline that doesn't have its top field competing needs to be scrutinised. If you want the best there and you end up with any sort of allegation of a second-rate tournament, and I'm not suggesting we have that situation at all, but if it arose, I would be appalled. And, and I would be thinking that, that any sport that is in that position would have to question whether it should be on the program. Given that we were given really clear assurances when golf aimed to come into the program that all the top players would be uh, leaping over themselves to compete in the Olympic Games, and now we're starting to get a little chink in the wall of some saying, well, these, some of these top players are not going to be there. So, yes, it concerns me. He says a vigorous review will be conducted after Rio if more top professionals pull out. If Rio is a failure and is pulled from the Olympic program, New Zealand's medal chances would take a big hit. New Zealand professional and women's world number one Lydia Ko has finished either first or second five times in her last ten events on the professional tour in America. Coe's considered one of New Zealand's best chances at claiming a medal, if not gold. But with more male golfers pulling out, the likelihood of Coe teeing it up at the Olympics past 2020 is bleak. Of all the golfers to pull out, Adam Scott was the first and most vocal about why he made that decision. While his official line was that it didn't suit his schedule, in the lead-up to his decision, the Australian stated that while the Olympics were the world's pinnacle sporting event, he didn't believe an Olympic gold medal was the pinnacle of golf. The pinnacle was the four majors. Phil Tatarangi says Scott's not alone from what he's heard inside the PGA Tour. No professional golfer uh, at the start of the season would have traded a, a gold medal at Rio for one of the four major championships, certainly in the men. I can't speak from the woman's standpoint, um, but I would hazard to guess that that would be the case as well. The major championships are those that you judge yourself by, those are the ones that you are judged by when your career is done. Tawatarangi says he fears more top golfers could pull out in the lead-up to the Games as the schedule on the PGA Tour intensifies towards the end of its season. The concern that has become the most popular reason for withdrawals among the men has been the Zika virus. A new study indicates the number of women in Latin America seeking to terminate their pregnancies has risen sharply following warnings about the effect of the Zika virus on unborn children. Zika, the, the mosquito-borne virus, can cause birth defects and has also been linked to the neurological disorder Guillain-Barre syndrome. At least five golfers have cited Zika as the reason behind their decision to pull out. The recent open letter, signed by 150 international medical experts calling for the games to be moved to stop the spread of Zika, only added fuel to players' concerns. But while some of the men are waving the white flag over the threat of the Zika virus, only one woman ranked inside the top 50 has pulled out so far. 
Lydia Ko says she's well aware of the threat of Zika, but has been a big campaigner for golf at the Olympics. There is a little bit of worry at the back of our minds, but I'm pretty sure the LPGA and all tours and you know, the Olympic committees are going to do their best to try and handle it. And you know, let's say if if it got worse, they're not going to make us go there or anything. So you know, I think uh, they're going to do a great job to try and and do it and. Do it in the most safest way possible, and I'm sure you know every all all of the committees are going to try their best to you know, try and settle it. And you know, at the end of the day, they're going to make you know a, a good decision. So I think we we all trust uh, you know in, in all their actions. So while the men continue to ponder their decision, their female counterparts, for the moment, believe the benefits of playing at the Olympics outweigh the risks. The first time a sport returns to the Olympics, there's likely to be conjecture over its suitability. But the aim of golf's reintroduction is to try and grow the sport globally, and in particular in South America, where the dominating sport is football. In 2008, a study found only 120,000 out of 380 million people played golf, or three in every 10,000 people. Compare that with America, where 29 million people have played golf at least once in the last year. The International Golf Federation executive director Anthony Scanlon was at the forefront of golf's push to be included in the Olympics. He says the Olympics offers golf a number of opportunities. For all of them, it's something special. You know, between now and the next games, there's 12 opportunities to win a major. There's only going to be one opportunity to win a gold medal. The other variance we have on a major is that I can't recall who came second or third at the last three majors. I think I will recall who got the silver and the bronze. And also with this 72-hole format with no cut, a player could wake up, maybe not in contention for a gold medal. But maybe for a bronze, and we anticipate we'll have playoffs for bronze or silver or gold, and so I think we'll hold more interest in this 72-hole stroke play than than most. But the New Zealand Olympic Committee Secretary General Karen Smith, who's responsible for getting the athletes to the games, sums up the apprehensiveness around golf's re-inclusion best. I wonder if it takes some time for a, for a sport that's added to the program. To really understand what the Olympics can do for them, and that might take a couple of iterations. And my recollection is, with tennis, it took some time, and now we see the best tennis players going. And in fact, you know, they find it so different, so refreshing, and just fabulous to compete for their country with other athletes. It's a different proposition. So I, I'm wondering that, you know, whether that will be where golf gets to. And also, sometimes we think. One or two voices is everybody, but it's not everybody. And you know, I'm I'm sure that the golf competition at the Olympics will be equally, you know, as keenly competed for as anything else. So for many, the answer over whether golf belongs in the Olympic program seems to be give it time. But while there's conjecture surrounding golf, the same can't be said for the Olympics' other new sport, rugby sevens, as Barry Guy reports. Rugby is reaching out. To everyone. To the young of today and of tomorrow. As part of their presentation to the IOC, rugby was able to show it had global reach and appeal. A World Cup competition for the 15s game had been held since 1987, and a sevens version had run since 1993. Sevens at the Olympics was going to help its cause. 15s will have some difficulty making it in many countries, but the shorter, faster nature of sevens is a winner. It's easier to organise and it requires fewer resources. 
The popularity of the sport has meant that there is quite a long qualifying process for nations to get on the World Series. But it's not quite the same situation in the women's game that lacks the same depth. However, rugby authorities believe being an Olympic sport will result in the women's game growing globally. The New Zealand Olympic Secretary General, Karen Smith, says it is obvious that women's sport has flourished after being a part of the Olympics, and women's rugby is set to do the same. Without doubt, being an Olympic sport really changes things generally, but particularly for women, because what it does is the Olympics, it's a massive show. There's incredible television, incredible social media, and those women athletes, elite athletes, will be seen by people that have never looked at them before. So it will be an, a major shop window and spotlight on them, and, and hopefully New Zealand rugby is really able to grasp that opportunity, particularly with young women. The Black Ferns 15 side played its first international in 1990, and they won four straight World Cups from 1998 to 2010. In the latest figures from New Zealand Rugby, there were almost 20,000 women playing the game here in 2015, an increase of 11% from the year before. The emergence of the women's game on the World 7 circuit has helped that. The first World Series was in 2012, and the New Zealanders won the first three titles. Sean Horan has been coach of the national women's side since 2011, when a full-time position was created. As his side started one of their regular training camps, the former Bay of Plenty mentor talked about how the women's game in general in New Zealand has benefited from the emergence of sevens. It's getting girls into rugby, which is great. You know, So you're getting girls wanting to play 15s, wanting to play sevens, wanting to play code. And I think that's a great thing. And you've got young women now, or young girls, six or eight or ten, they can't be a Richie McCaw or a, or a Sonny Bill, but they could be a Sarah Goss or a, or a Porsche Woodman. And I think that's pretty inspiring, you know, because that's part of our vision, really, is obviously to go well, but to create a legacy that inspires women to play this game. And I think we're achieving that. One of the players mentioned by Horan is Portia Woodman. You might recognise that name in rugby circles. Her father, Kafina, and Uncle Fred were both all blacks in the 1980s, while her auntie, Te Araha Keenan, is a former Silver Fern. Woodman and teammate Kayla McAllister both made the transition from netball, having played for the Mystics before deciding to give rugby a go in 2011. We went along to training or trial and we thought, mm, we'll just have a little crack, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's the Olympics, we could have a go. And we figured it's going to be a new sport in New Zealand. Or well, not new, but like, you know, new programs so we can learn together. And to this day, we never thought we'd be this far. And that Olympics is just around the corner. And that dream is just there. you just got to kind of try and catch it. Woodman officially joined New Zealand Rugby in 2012 in the Go for Gold scheme. She's a World Cup Sevens champion and played on the wing for the Black Ferns. Where the all-black jersey goes, so do the fans. At this training session in Mount Monganui, it wasn't long before the local kids worked out who was training. The men's team got plenty of interest, but so did the women's side. 24-year-old Woodman says she's been surprised by the amount of interest they've garnered from young fans. We've had a lot of young girls that come up, come into our program or just friends, family friends that have little girls and they're like, oh my gosh, can you please sign these things? And you get a photo of them and they're absolutely ecstatic with they've got signed jersey or signed ball. Like, it, we're inspiring and that is part of our vision to inspire the world with black jersey. And I think we're doing that and um, just... If we get a good result in Rio, it would definitely help. One such young fan is Hana Wainoho from Manawatu. The 17-year-old has only been playing the game for just over a year and says her ambition is to one day be a black fern, 
Wainoho says she'd love to see more women's rugby on TV and hopefully the Olympics will help promote the game. She's sure more girls will take notice of the game now that women's sevens is in the Olympics. All women can train just as hard as men can, and especially in a sport so competitive, it, yeah, it's an opportunity that women can strive for. I think young girls really need to try and do rugby. I guess it's just more the messages underneath is just building confidence and thinking that it's not just a sport for boys. All girls can do it too. Sevens Rugby has received $8.5 million from High Performance Sport New Zealand over the last four years. And Chief Executive Steve Chu says the New Zealand Union has contributed significantly more than that themselves. Chu says they want to see more women playing rugby and they're hoping Sevens will help. He says since they started their campaign for Rio, there has been a huge lift in interest from women, including a lot from other sports. Chu says without doubt the Olympic inclusion has made a huge difference. The Black Ferns have been remarkably successful but not attracted an enormous amount of interest, whereas all of a sudden you have a sevens team um, going to Women's World Series throughout the year, opportunity to be a, largely a professional athlete, and um, the pinnacle of that is to represent your country at the Olympics. Um, and so that's given us an enormous boost in the, in the women's game. Everyone I spoke to for this programme believes the interest in sevens will explode once they've seen it played in Rio. Globally, many people will be seeing it for the first time, and the nature of the game will provide some spectacular play that should attract the general sports fan. NZR boss Steve Chu thinks while many men may aspire to be an all-black, he believes there will be more interest in playing sevens once the public has seen it at Rio. I personally think that we will have more uptake from 15s players after they've seen what's happened in Rio because it'll become more real. Our team went to an Olympic Games, wore the New Zealand jersey, hopefully got on the podium and received a medal, both in the men and the women, and... I think that will open eyes a little bit and we might see more interest from our 15s players. But the reality is our athletes still aspire to be an all-black. That jersey is, is the pinnacle for our players and we respect that the majority of them have decided to focus on that. They'll certainly be hoping that Sevens is a success in Rio. Well, it needs to be because at this stage it's only been included this year and in Tokyo in 2020. As far as New Zealand rugby is concerned, success will be key to the continued interest and growth in the game. So what will it take to win? Sir Gordon Titchens should know. He certainly got the pedigree. He played sevens for New Zealand in 1983 and has coached the national men's side since 1994, winning the World Series 12 times, the Sevens World Cup twice and the Commonwealth Games title four times. And New Zealand champions again in 2010. And aren't they happy? Titchens has been expected to stand down for some time now, but he admits once he knew it was going to be at the Olympics, he was keen to stay on. Remaining calm when under pressure has been key to the All Blacks in recent years, and the Sevens teams will be hoping that also works for them when they're competing in the biggest sporting event in the world, attended by almost 11,000 athletes. So Gordon Titchens has been to most international events, so what do you tell a player that is going to the Olympics for the first time? You embrace the occasion. You know, you're sitting in a, in a dining room, Roger Federer in one corner, Usain Bolt in another corner. You know, it's uh, just something really special. And I look at Sonny Bill Williams. He wants to be an Olympian. It's his biggest drive and biggest challenge in life. He admitted that. It's the biggest thing ever. And he also is quite surprised that some players have actually turned that opportunity down about going to the Olympics. He knows how special it is and what it brings, and so do I. 
After playing 34 tests since debuting for the All Blacks, Liam Messam has certainly been a part of a very successful sporting setup. World Cup and Super Rugby titles and Commonwealth Games gold. Messam says the winning culture and mental toughness that the All Blacks now bring to every game is something that the Sevens team can learn from. Messam says their mental approach to the Olympics will be key. We can run all day, tackle, pass, but it's, uh, it's going to be upstairs when the, when the pressure really counts because the Olympics is the biggest stage um, and you've got to be able to handle that uh, physically and mentally and, and when the pressure comes on you better to be able to do your job when it's needed the most. So, uh, you know, I think that's the difference between the All Blacks and the rest of the teams in the World Cup was how mentally strong our, our team was. And the team here is, is working on that because we are going to get into situations where we need to really uh, perform when the pressure comes on. For the All Blacks coach Steve Hansen, the two-time World Cup winning leader, the big thing for Sevens players is to not get swept up in the Olympic hype. The big thing, I guess, is the wow factor. You know, you're at the Olympics and you, yeah, totally. there's a whole lot of uh, possible distractions. So I'm sure they'll have planned for that and they'll have their own focus and, and uh, you know, the calibre of athlete they're taking will be good enough for them to really be competitive and, and hopefully win a gold medal. The New Zealand Sevens teams will play well in Rio. A gold medal isn't assured, but the sport is assured of a future in the Games. So the most important thing now for golf and rugby sevens is to secure their place in the Games beyond Tokyo 2020. The IOC is set to introduce five new sports in Tokyo, baseball, skateboarding, sports climbing, karate and surfing, as they try to attract a younger audience. As part of sweeping reforms initiated by IOC President Thomas Back in 2014, future Olympic hosts are being offered the chance to bring in sports that are popular in their countries to boost ratings and attract greater sponsorship. That does leave some of the existing sports under pressure to entertain. New Zealand rugby boss Steve Chu believes Sevens is in a good place. We're actually quite confident that Sevens rugby fits what the Olympic movement now has in mind, but yeah. uh, we'll obviously need to have a good tournament in, in Rio. We'll need the rugby to be good. Uh, ideally, there'd be two gold medals to a black shirt, but you'd want some of the other medals to go to countries that maybe you know, don't often win medals. And you know, you look at look at Fiji, who are clearly hot favourites uh, in the men's competition. They could win their first ever Olympic medal. That would be fantastic. And the way the series has gone this year, you know, we could see USA, or and it's the same in the women. So. I think good footy, competitive and great events, so we need them to be sold out and need them to be exciting and uh, have a bit of colour, which in Rio shouldn't be too hard. While golf may entice a bigger audience than Sevens due to its worldwide popularity, it faces a tougher challenge than rugby. If its top athletes don't want to compete at the Games, golf's future at the Games will be short. However, New Zealand Golf Chief Executive Dean Murphy believes the world's best will compete and it will be a truly global showpiece. Adam Scott and others are completely entitled to whether they want to represent their country or not. Um, it's up to them if they want to do it. If they don't think it's a great event to go to, all well and good. You know, um, I think we just need to see how it plays out before we make any judgments around whether will this be a pinnacle event or not, because in time it could well be. While New Zealand is a leader in many aspects of world sport, and there are likely to be a similar number of women and men selected for the New Zealand team, Behind the scenes, there is still work to do. One area is the makeup of coaching staff. Karen Smith says only about 10% of the coaches in London, and this time in Rio, will be women. Typically, coaches that go to the Olympics are the coaches that are coaching those athletes day in, day out. So if those coaches aren't in the elite sport environment, they're not going to make it to the Olympics. And I do believe that's an area that, in the future, 
sport New Zealand and high performance sport and the national sports organisations really need to give some consideration to. So the next aim could be not just gender equality among competitors, but among the coaching staff as well. I'm Barry Guy. And I'm Matt Chatterton. And that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to send any feedback, our email address is insight at radionz.co.nz and we're on Twitter at InsightRNZ. This program was created by members of the RNZ Sports Team, me, Barry Guy, and my colleague Matt Chatterton. It was produced by Philip Atolli with technical production by Phil Benge.